You know, the word of the Lord is this, is that, you know, when Paul was being transported to Rome by the centurions, the ship came into a storm, and Paul said, stay with the ship and you'll be saved. And we're, we're, we're going through the world is getting stormier, it's getting darker, it's getting gloomier. But I believe this, Dad was talking about fellowship, you know, the fellows staying on the ship, the, that we need to be on the ship together as God's people, as the church, and we will not suffer loss through the storm, amen? Um, I believe that uh, the, Lord, the Lord says this, get on the ship, stay on the ship, uh, man the mast, and get ready to turn the ship the way God wants it to be turned. When the presence of God is absent in its fullest, there is confusion. People search for answers. People seek, and they get desperate. And, and I believe this. I believe that we need the presence of God here to wear the words of knowledge and the prophetic. You see, when God's presence is, is, is in, inhabiting, the gifts of the Spirit are more prevalent. The prophetic is unlocked. If you notice, the whole struggle with the Old Testament is people became distracted. And as they became distracted, they began to turn their eyes from God, His presence, His provision, His security, His deliverance. Everything that God provided, they began to lose sight of and lose focus, and they began to turn to the world, marry foreign women, worship foreign gods, and the thing of it is, is it didn't happen in an instant. It happened over a period of time until where they had no idea of what they were actually doing. And the Bible in Isaiah says that, that, that the, their lips and their, and, their, and their hearts did not match. It says, you people worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. We are a church that is educated in lifting hands and in shouting and all the, the physical manifestations of worship but I believe and I know right now that God is calling our hearts back to Him in a way to where our hearts match up with our hands and so that we can therefore see the presence of God in ways that we have seen before and even greater ways than we have ever seen before to where those seeking answers are not walking around scratching their heads, reading books, desperately going, God, what do you want me to do? We are desperate for the presence of God. I am not the answer man. I can't fix your problems, but God can. You see, pastors today feel like we're the answer man. We're to help people with their problems. No, pastors are to teach people this is our God. This is how we worship Him. This is how we serve Him. And this is how we are blessed in the walk with Him. And so I want you to go to Haggai chapter 1 real quick. The backstory on Haggai is this. You know, we hear about Nehemiah building a wall... But before, 60 years before that even happened, they had to rebuild the temple, the tabernacle. Because y'all remember Jeremiah 29-11, I know the plans I have for you, good, 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 awesome, 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 but it won't happen for 70 years because you people have turned your hearts away from me. But when you cry out to me with your heart, not just going through the motions, I'm going to show back up, amen? Well, God is in the process of showing back up. And so we see that the first batch of exiles in Babylon come back to Jerusalem, and they are led by Zerubbabel. Did I say that right? Zerubbabel. A bubble named Zerah. Zerubbabel. All right? And so, and so this, is, this is who's in charge. 
And he brings the people back from Babylon, and they begin to work on the temple. They came with the heart's intent to rebuild the temple. The temple has fallen. Let's rebuild it. You know, the Bible says in Amos that in the last days I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which is fallen and I will repair its breaches. And on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell, James says, hey, this is the day that God wants to rebuild the tabernacle of David. And what he was talking about, you have to understand, in the Old Testament, when, when people began the New Testament church, okay, they did not have a New Testament. They had the Old Testament. Okay? But the thing is, is they now have the Spirit to look into the Old Testament to see what Jesus wants them to hear at the moment. So the Old Testament is still viable today. Are we under the law? No. We're under grace. But we're able to look at the law and see this is what God intended to happen all along. And how many of you know that God wants a place where he is honored, where he is revered. And not only just that, but he wants to fellowship with his people. He wants to heal their wounds. He wants to provide for their needs. He wants to give them directions. He wants to help them fight the battles that they find themselves in. He wants to help them knock the clocks off the giants. He wants to see them put the enemies to flight. Amen? Amen. That's what God wants to do in our lives. The thing is, is if we're distracted, we're not going to see that happen. Distracted. We get distracted. We get distracted with ourselves and with our kids and with our money and with the world. And God says, hey, you worry about my business and I'll take care of your business. And so they come and they try to rebuild the tabernacle. And within a month, they cease from working on the tabernacle. And three reasons they stopped is because of disinterest, because of discouragement, because the older generation that had seen the Solomon's temple said, we'll never even compare to that. And God comes back in chapter 2 and says, oh no, this will compare and it will see even greater glory. And then they were dissatisfied because they were so focused on seeking themselves that they were not, they were not they were not producing fruit in their works and their efforts and they thought, well, it just, you know, this, we're dissatisfied with God, but the very reason they were unfruitful people is because they weren't seeking God first. They were seeking themselves. And that's what God wanted them to see. But the thing is, is they were distracted. 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 And so in, in Haggai, let's, uh, I'm going to have to skip through this. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But in verse 4, we see that they go... And they stop within a month of returning to build the tabernacle. And Haggai is the prophet. He is a prophet for a whole of four months. And he prophesies five times in the, in the leading of this rebuilding of the tabernacle, turning people's hearts back to the tabernacle. Let me tell you something. We are the tabernacle. The, the Holy Spirit resides in each one of us. But let me tell you something. We collectively are the tabernacle. I think people today think I am the tabernacle. No, we are the tabernacle. The congregation, the body of Christ. The Bible says that we are the temple. And it says we are built upon one another as, an, as a habitation for the Lord. And so in the Old Testament, it's talking about physical structures. And today, we need to look at it as us. It's us. This old feed store has hosted the presence of God many times. Amen? 
But it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the building. By goodness sake, by world standards, this is not that awesome of a building. It's an old metal building, you know, with, with, uh, with, with old boards up top, you know. But here's the deal. It was the hearts of the people that brought God here. And that's what's going to bring God here into greater ways. But in verse 4 it says this, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? And so the people, they get there within a month, they get distracted by disinterest, by discouragement, by dissatisfaction. And, but, and then they go to turning their attention away from the house of God to their own houses, to their own lives, to their own things, to their own mess, and to their own stuff. And these were not just houses, these were paneled houses. Joanna Gaines was showing up to these people's houses and putting shiplap everywhere. You know, this wasn't just, this wasn't just a mud hut that, that met their basic needs. This was a paneled house. It was a big deal to have paneling. Apparently all the way up until the 70s. But these people lived in paneled houses. The tabernacle of Solomon said that it was covered and there was no stone left visible. So in other words, you know, that was not the thing. It was paneling. It was wood. And so these people, so their personal houses were, were awesome, and they were putting all their time and focus into building their house. It says this, it says, but, but while my house lies in ruins. We live in a time where we are so busy, so distracted, so occupied, that even when we do attempt to come into the house of God, we can't do what we're called to do while we're here because we're too busy thinking and doing and wondering and trying to fix everything else when the sole purpose that we come here into this sanctuary is to have an encounter that's going to change our complete lives. That's going to transform us. And when you get into the presence of God enough, nothing else will satisfy your desires. Paneled houses fishing, hunting, nothing else. I remember the first time I, did, I was actually happy that I was worshiping instead of hunting. That was a big catalyst in my life. And what we need people to, 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 to come, or come to in this church is that there is something greater than life that only God can give. We can pursue ourselves and our things and mess and stuff, and it will provide fruitlessness to us. But when we put God first, He will make everything fruitful God is concerned about your welfare you know like going back to Jeremiah 29 11 God wants to bless the people but not at the expense of his relationship then he goes on in verse 5 he says consider your ways you have sown much and harvested little you eat but you never have enough you drink but you never you're never full you never have your fill you clothe yourselves but no one is warm and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Do you feel like you're just getting nowhere? Do you feel like you work your butt off? I, I do right now. I need the presence of God to tell me this is where you need to go. This is how you need to build this building across the street so we can come to one service and not be limited by an hour and 15 stinking minutes. Amen? You know, I need that type of direction right now. And I'm not going to get it from anybody else outside of God. But he said, but, but, but how many of you feel like you're just, don't, don't raise your hands, how many of you feel like you're just working yourself to death and it's not providing the fruit that you wished to God 
that you would like to see in your life. You're tired. And we bring this, we bring this into, our, into the sanctuary. And we, we bring this into here. We're so whipped we can't worship. And we're so tired. We're so distracted. We're so discouraged. We're so disinterested. We're so dissatisfied. Just like these people. Then in verse 8 he says this. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. Listen. That I may take pleasure in it. And that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Are we truly, each and every one of us, seeking to build a place? I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about us. Us, a place. Us, a people. Us, a congregation. Are we solely sold out? Are we truly sold out to that to say, God, let us be a people that you are pleased with. Let us be a people that glorify you. Because when we get to that point, we're going to see God in greater ways. We're going to see keys come out and unlock doors, and we're going to see answers being, being met. And we're, you know, because here's the thing, when in those periods of the, the Israelites, when they turned away from worshiping God with their hearts, it said that the prophets got shut up. It said that there was no communication from God. But here's the cool thing, despite that, God still would send a prophet like Haggai to say, hey, here's your opportunity of grace to change things back the way they are. To get God back central focus in your life. To rely on me and not yourselves. You know, the Bible says that, that, that he is to carry our burdens. You know, I mean, the burden we're to carry is light, but we try to carry everything and do everything on our own. We try to fix marriages where, where it's going to take a touch of the heart that only God can do. We try to do things that you cannot physically do. It has to be done spiritually. But he says, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it. How many of you want God to be pleased with our congregation? God to be pleased with our worship? How many of you want to have an encounter with God? Not just, you know what, revivals in the traditional sense last a week, but we want a revival that goes on and on and on and on. Amen? We want God to be with us week in, day in, day out. But I want to talk to that real shortly real about this. It says... A house that God is pleased with and God is glorified. And I got to thinking about that. When we were kids, remember, how many of you grew up in church? How many of you knew the drill? You set your butt down, you shut your mouth, and you were reverent. Amen? But the problem is, is we were reverent for the wrong reasons, and the outcome that God wanted does not happen. God doesn't want you to be quiet. God doesn't want you to sit down and shut your mouth. He wants you to worship Him in an expressive way that demonstrates the gratefulness out of our heart. And we were trained to do the opposite of that. Just sit down, you know, just be quiet. And that's what we did. And then you come into a church like this when you're raised up like that, and you're like, what the heck is going on? And you know what? Here's the deal. Owen's coming Friday. And Owen's going to do a seminar two hours Friday night, three hours Saturday morning. If you can be there, be there. Be there. All right? Because in, in, in we're, going, we're entering into a time, how do we encounter the presence of God? But today I'm dealing with the basics, which is the heart. Because we've got to rid ourselves of the distractions so that we can do what we need to do when we come here to see God move. But I got to thinking of this. We, 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 come, in, we come into this... Contemporary worship mentality, which to me, there's just worship. It's been the same since David was around, right? 
We're rebuilding the tabernacle of David. But the problem is, is we went from one pendulum to the next. We went from having a reverence for the temple wrongly to just having an unreverence for the temple. You hear me? You hear me? We come in, we come in here, and, and first of all, there, there's three things that I feel like we need to begin to revere again. The first thing is the actual day of worship which we come together. Honor the Sabbath. What, is, what does God say? Honor the Sabbath. Now, that's, that's a Saturday, but we worship on, the, the, on Monday. I'm sorry, but no, we don't. We worship on Sunday. But, but we know that in the New Testament, they began to worship on that day, and it changed. But here's the deal. We have a set-aside day of worship that we come with the, with the purpose of coming together as the body to worship the Lord and to hear from Him. Isaiah fifty-eight thirteen. If you turn back, okay, your foot from the Sabbath. In other words, your foot is turned away from the Sabbath. It's time to turn it back to the Sabbath. It says, and from doing your pleasure on my holy day. I'm, I'm playing like I'm God, but I'm not. I'm, I'm pointing thumbs. I'm not God. All right? It's not my holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight, not a pain, not an inconvenience, not I'd rather be doing something else, and the holy day of the Lord honorable. You know what we need to do? We need to bring honor back to the day of the Lord. We need to bring honor back into the house of the Lord. We need to bring honor back to the Lord and to His people. It says, if you honor it, not going on your ways. So what's the opposite of that? If you dishonor it, doing your own thing, doing your own pleasures, doing your own will, it says, or seeking your own pleasures or talking idly. In other words, you really ain't got no reason not to be here. You're just idly off talking, goofing off. It says, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Is the day of worship important to the Lord? Yes. How many of them? All of them. Like I say, you may think this is crazy, but when I go to bed at night, I get into bed with Christy West. I don't say and say, I'm going to sleep with somebody else tonight. That's what I do. She's my wife. I don't have a relationship with any other like that. God is my God. I don't have any other gods. This is our time to come. Now, now should I spend every day with him? Yes. But it is, it is seen in the Word where there is a time where we are to come together collectively. And if you can't be here, if you're out of town working or whatever, go to church where you are. But you should be with your people. You should be on the ship. You should be manning the sails. You should be running the udders. The, the, not the udders, but the rudders. <laughs> the rudders what, that makes the ship go. Y'all get that out of your system. We ain't got a long time here. The second thing is honor the sanctuary. Honor the sanctuary. Honor the sanctuary. And man, I could go on for three hours about this. Let me tell you something. The, the sanctuary is not a time... You remember Jesus took a whip for people that were trying to peddle wares and make money in the sanctuary? This ain't a time to be... Hey, you youth, quit selling cookie dough in my church, all right? I mean, seriously. Because that's a distraction. We're not here to sell stuff. We're not here to buy stuff. We're not here to sign contracts and make deals. When we come in that house, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts. Enter his courts with praise and bring your, your business with you. No, we're going to leave that stuff outside because in here is a time of focus and everything we do either aids that focus of worship or it distracts. There's a time for everything. The Bible says, let everything be done, but let it be done in order. There's a time for worship. When we're worshiping, what should people be doing? Worshiping. 
When we're praying, what should people be doing? Praying. Some of you need to train your bodies. I mean, hey, it's going to happen. You're going to have to pee. That's okay. I'm not going to shoot you down if you've got to go pee during the service. But think about what you're doing. When, when somebody's up here giving a sincere altar call, don't take, it's not time to start walking around like a big fat cow in the middle of the sanctuary and just meander around. No, it's a time of focus. You know, when, when people come and visit our church, and you know, you, you, know, in the, you know, usually they sit somewhere comfortable. They don't know anybody. They're in the back, and we're sitting here talking and handling business, passing kids around like a dog and pony show, and it's distracting. Hey, we love your kids, all right? And sometimes it's necessary to bring your kid in the sanctuary. That is fine, okay? I'm a daddy. I know how kids are. And you know what? Kids are kids. But don't pass them around like a baby doll with a bow contest. Look here, you hold my kid, you hold my kid. Y'all pass them around and like, look, hey, everybody look at my kid. I know God's here, but this is more important. No, he's not. You hear what I'm saying? Look, yeah. Let's focus. Your kids, hey, I don't want to hear, I don't want it to be dead quiet in here. This should be a place of laughter and of fellowship. But it should be not, it shouldn't be a hellhole for hellions. You hear me? I'm not responsible for your kids to tell them when they can and can't get on stage. Let me make it simple. They can't get on stage, ever. Those things cost $4,000. Your kid may be worth more than that to you, but not to me. You hear me? And, and, I, and I come, I mean, I, I do. There's gum under the seat. There's boogers all over the place. All the comp cards are scribbled on and threw all over the place. And, but Chad West will pick this up at the end of service. You just go ahead, kids, do what you want. You know what I'm saying? It's just the little things. And your kids, it's good that they're learning, hey, be expressive, but they're just expressing their nature, and they're not expressing their hearts to God. You've got to teach them how to worship. So what I'm saying is we've gone from one extreme to the other, and we've lost focus. What are we here for? What are we here for? To encounter God, to see God, to hear from God, to get help from God, to get provision from God, to get healing from God. And you know, I believe this. I, you know what? There's always probably going to be one person we could probably blame that the Spirit of God comes in. They ain't going to come in on, but it doesn't work that way. Because there's always going to be that person. Probably handfuls of them. But I believe when it becomes... When the leaven becomes too great, when the leaven begins to affect everything too much, that God sends a prophet to say, hey, let's get refocused here. What the heck are we doing here? What are we, what are we, what are we coming to do? And we are here to worship and love God with focus. We are to be intent with what we do. So honor the sanctuary. Ecclesiastes 5.1 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. So to come in here with the wrong heart and the wrong mentality is to just throw wasteful, foolish sacrifices. They come in here saying, God, what would you have us do today? Amen? But kids, distract. worship time is not a counseling time. It's not a time for you to step out in the hall and start talking about your problems. No, the only problem you need solved is what God can do. You need to learn to come into God and say, God, I need, I need help today. Because if you're crying out to... You can't cry out to two people at one time. You're either crying out to God or you're crying out to somebody else. There's a time for counsel, a time for talking, but not when the presence of God is being pursued. Say the time for doing chores. If you're in the ministry... You know, you need to come in, and it goes to the second deal. We need to honor our service here. We need to honor what we're supposed to be doing.
We need to be ready. If you're in the children's church, you need to be on time. You need to be real that I am here today to be here to help. I am here today to serve. I mean, imagine if David, y'all know David, right? The killer of, ten, of hundreds of thousands of people. Imagine being in his church and going, David, uh, I'm late today. I don't know what to tell you. Like, he would probably cut your head off. I'm still trying to figure out how he, he was so, you know. Of course, God told him you can't build a tabernacle because you're a man of blood. But he was still the man after God's own heart, despite all the heads he cut off. He got, and, and to pay for one of his wives, he had to get 200 foreskins. Guy was pretty good with a knife. I don't think I would go up to him and say, I ain't, I ain't doing what you asked me to do today in church. Now, I'm not going to cut none of y'all, okay? So don't, don't look at it that way. But what I'm saying is this, is we, we need to honor what we're to do in church. We need to come. We need to not be distracted. We all have a purpose and a role, and that role and purpose is to come here and bring people into the inhabitation of a mighty God who can answer all questions, who can, who can solve all problems, who can do all things that we cannot do alone. You see, what it's about is about putting God first, seeking His kingdom, and He says, you seek my kingdom, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. It goes on and on. Take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. Amen? If you want your business taken care of, take care of God's business first. But enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Amen? And so what happens here? What is their response to the word? Verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, it says, The son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, it says, The high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed. In other words, they repented. They said, okay. It says, Obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. They repented, turned their attention back to the Lord, said, we have turned our way. We have gone to do our own thing. Now we're going to do what you have asked us to do. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. This is what the Lord says back to their repentance. He says, I am with you. How many of you know that God is with us? And God wants us to succeed. But God wants us to succeed at following him. It says, I am with you, declares the Lord, and the Lord, listen, and the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And it comes down to this. As we go on further and we learn about worship and we learn about God's presence and we learn about all these things, what we need first and foremost is to put God first in our lives in all the aspects that He asks of us. And when we obey and begin to fear the Lord and begin to turn from our own busyness and our own private stuff and our own lives and say, God, we're going to put you first, I believe this, He'll stir up our hearts. He'll stir up my heart. He'll stir up your hearts. He'll stir up all of our hearts. Look, guys, we've grown tremendously, but here's the deal. You can grow a church and not have the presence of God. You can grow a church and, 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 and do it in, in worldly ways and all these things. I don't want to do that. I want the presence of God. I want to have a church where the presence of God is so thick that you don't have to 
beg and plead people to come to church. They want to be there because there's something there to come to. Amen? I want to see all of you begin to operate in the gifts like you've never operated before because the presence of God is here and he has something to say. I want him to open up the doors. I want him to move in our congregation. And so before we go, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask you this. You know what? I've talked about it. It was funny. This morning, I come in here, I heard Sharissa say distractions about six times when she was talking to the worship team. And, I, and, and some of the words were dealing with distractions during the worship time. And God is saying, hey, we're too distracted. We're too distracted. Listen, this isn't a beat down. This is a lift up. Do you understand me? This is a saying, hey, there is more to God than we are receiving, and I want to receive more. I want to see God heavy in this place. I want to see worship just anointed. I want to see the physical manifestations of God. How many of you want to see that? And so today, it's real simple. This is a call to us as a people. This is a call to us as a church to say, will you do what God has asked us to do? Will you honor the Sabbath? Will you honor the sanctuary? Will you honor your service to make this about God first and foremost? You know, if you're already serving, serve. If you're not, get on the boat. Find an find a oar. Do something. Get on here and let's... let's Let's make this a house that pleases God and that is full of His presence. But how many, how many of you will honestly say, while no one's looking, that there's been distractions in your life? A majority of us. Listen, I am so excited about Olin coming. Olin is the man who taught Dad about worship. And Dad was able to come back here and instill it in our church. And I, I believe it's just a... It, it's, a, it's a renewing, a returning, going back to our first love and seeing God do greater things in our church. You know what? We, we just, it's, everything's just become too normal. and too Like Dusty said, we see somebody and it's just, I see you all the time. We need to be so excited about coming into the presence of God that that's all we talk about, that's all we desire, that there's nothing else to even think about. But what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? What are you distracted by? I've been dealing with my distractions all week. But today I'm asking you as a people, what are you distracted by? And I want us all to stand, and as Sharissa leads us just in a, in a short course, I want you today to just come down and say, Lord, I give you my distraction. And whatever it is, come. Don't be hard-headed. Let's seek this together. Y'all come and say, Lord, help me in my distractions.